0: He came back and he handed me a book. I don't remember who wrote it. It was called Personhood, The Art of Being Fully Human. And basically it was a very simple book, but basically the concept was the most important thing that you can do as a human being is to love others and love yourself and then give and receive love. Like that's the most important thing.
1: Welcome to Camp Be Uncensored, Episode 59, Part Two, with my dear friend Lee Lesak. As we continue our conversation about all great opportunities, living your best life, dreaming big, because everything is possible. I look forward to you sitting down, listening in on your favorite platform, and joining us for Part Two of our conversation. Here we go. By no. no means have, uh, I mean, I, I have a lot. Listen, when you and I met each other, not only was I figuring that out as you were figuring your stuff out, I, right? you know, um, but then, you know, again, a series of life decisions made it where I have nothing but pride in how all the roadmap has led right. to what yeah, it's led to. Of course, um, of
0: course.
1: There's definitely been moments though, like you said, that were never roads that you had ever walked down. I had never walked down. You unfortunately saw me go through things like domestic violence, things that nobody would have seen the writing on the wall of. Grateful to still be here to I have remember, this conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 And things that I'm sure, you know, I never asked you about this and not to put you on spot, but that couldn't have been comfortable for you as my friend to see me going through. Like, do you have any memory of any of that? I'm just curious.
0: Oh, I have very strong bits <laughs> of that. Because I think that was all you share a with me. Where we were in very we were in very close contact. And I remember like you would be in trouble and you would call me and I would rescue you. You would either come stay with me or whatever. And then um, you kept going back. And I remember saying to you, you know, um, I think you're gonna keep doing this dance until your feet get really tired. And hopefully it won't kill you in the process. Because it's really hard for the people that love you to watch you go through this and to make decisions that are not really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a process and you were, you were in it and it's your process. I mean, I have a friend now all these years later that was in a very similar situation, but different and he kept like going back. And I was just like, I just don't, I mean, it's very foreign to me because Um, it's just not something that is in our home. (laughs) So it's sort of a foreign concept to begin with, but I remember that it was a very, in fact, I think towards the end in an effort to, um, like really get your attention, I cut myself off because I couldn't watch you walk through that door again. You know what I mean? It was really painful. So,
1: um,
0: anyway. Thank God that's passed.
1: No, and listen to your point. I mean, look at. I think. I think that. Uh, trust me, I remember the cutoff. And I also think never in a million blessed years would I've ever seen myself walking through that that situation, and no way in hell if I had been on the other side of the street like you were. Would I have understood the keep going back? And it's an interesting thing because you know what, Lee? Like I would never have asked for that to be a part of my journey. Right. The gift out of that, as morbid as this may sound, is that my level of empathy and understanding for that whole sickness and that whole world of narcissism and sociopathic entities and environments and abuse and all that, I would never have understood that whole manifestation of that animal had it not. Now, d- did I want to be uh, in the center of that? No. Would I ask no. for that? To No, no. But who I am today and the knowledge and the understanding and the science of the mind and all the things like, look at, I could smell, s- smell out, uh, a president who was entering into, an, into office as going, hey man, uh, you um, United States citizens who may not understand things like domestic violence, hey, by the way, like any one of us who walked into blindly a domestic violence relationship, by the way, you're all in domestic violence relationship now. Note to self, you've all just laid your head on the pillow in the bed, with a violent abuser, prepare yourself. How do you prepare yourself? You can't possibly be prepared for the lies, the deceit, the, the crazy making, all the things that our country preceded and continues to experience. Why? Because you're with a fucking narcissistic sociopath who does not have any attachment to his actions. He has no feeling to his cause and effect. It's everything domestic violence is, sadly. Everything. Yeah. yeah. So, to my point, no, it sucked, me five years of that. And more <laughs> importantly, what sucked was having my relationships like yours affected with me because I loved and adored you. And mm-hmm. I wanted, and, 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 I tried so many times to get away.
0: Look, there's no rule book. There's no playbook for this kind of thing. So everybody's just doing the best they can with whatever, you know, inkling of knowledge they think they have, Um, you know.
1: And the level of threats that I experienced and the things that I've tried to that. I just really didn't want anybody else to have. Yeah. Right. To go through the, any more than I'll what you were forget. already witnessing.
0: Right. I'll never forget. You finally like got the courage to call 911. And this individual was arrested. And great. And in jail. I was just like, thank God. And you were doing great. And then he got released. And I do believe that you went and picked him up.
1: Oh, I know I did. Yes, no, and I yeah. couldn't, no. It's and
0: gross. Just like, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and that the was thing just is within. That,
0: yeah. That's the thing is that you, I think that people like that have such control over you. And they, um, you, you share parts of your life, like confidentially with them. And then they use that to control you.
1: And you know what, you know? the thing so, about it, the thing about it is we're producing more of those kind of characters than ever before. So when I went through it over 30, uh, like 30 years ago, and it's a long time ago, I mean, I've lived a lot of life since, and you know,
0: yeah, for sure. Um,
1: and that's the beauty uh, and, and succeeded and and thrived in lots of ways. Um, that's the beauty. But again, to that point, what's interesting is I went through that, not that abuse hadn't happened in people's lives before. It just wasn't talked about. I mean, when I went and got the tools that I got post all of that, these were conversations people weren't having. They don't want to have it's people most of the time don't even want to be confronted with things that aren't anything, but like what's in that pastry puff. Ooh, is that sweet cream? Like, you know, like they want to keep it really up here and that's great. I get it. Do I want to bring into the conversation, the depths of something uncomfortable like domestic violence? My point is, is, we are, as a society, surrounded by these kind of entities. These kind of humans. Like I said, you know, we put leaders into positions. Who are these people? Yep. And if we're not careful Crazy. of the character study, and and so I feel the gift for me was that I went down paths earlier than many other people have. I just was kind of like pioneering and it's not like ooh so that's the badge that you were looking for no 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 it's just i think that awareness makes for a great teacher and yeah. the ability to guide and and i think that that was just part of my mul- my greater purpose
0: right coming through it yeah
1: but to your point oh trust in that first four months, I would, have, I, I would have loved to have said I never looked back or I would never have felt threatened or I would never have had the fear of God put in me or the honeymoon that it's statistically written about no different again than your country is promised. And then you get backhanded slapped and all this other shit evolves. Again, it's, it's parallel to behind closed doors between two people is what our country on a massive level was exposed to. And only for that reason. And then ironically Lee, I wrote that about that. I wrote about that the night he was inaugurated and I posted it on Facebook and my mom had just had her first stroke and came out of the hospital. And my mom was very political and was on Facebook a lot. And the two things she wanted to get home to was to get on Facebook and to see her cats. And as crazy as that sounds, she sees my <laughs> post <laughs> of this, like, from a domestic violent perspective, like, hey, United States citizens, by the way, she's like, oh my God, I just saw your post. It's absolutely brilliant. Now you've got to take it down. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like all of a sudden my mom who would never talk like this, like I'm now right. fearing what she's saying. And she's like, it is so eloquent, eloquent what you wrote. She says, but I don't know who you work with and I don't know who is a Trump follower. And I don't know how this could affect your work. And I just wanted you to be careful. And so I took it down and I remember, I didn't even know how to take it down. I just knew that because it was so early for me in social media world um, that I ended up photographing and eliminating and it wasn't until this new election and my mother I can't remember if she had already passed or was going, you know, coming upon passing and, or she, you know, was now somebody struck in and I got the courage to post this piece again because I thought mm-hmm. it was such an important conversation to have and people were more ready to have that conversation after now having had 4 sure. years of what the fuck has just been what we and that was my feeling What did I just live through? How did this just happen? How did I, and thank God I survived it. (laughs) And thank God I'm here to talk about. But I never got to have that conversation with you. And I just want to say how sorry I am that not because I did anything wrong, but that we lost that time together. And I know that I was really hurting and I know that you were really hurting for me. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. And I just want to, um, none of these things that we go through in life, I think are ever easy. I think they, they can be easy. I don't think that there has to be struggle. by no means. I think there has to be drama struggle or anything. I think things should just be able to fall into one's lap.
0: I so, agree, I agree. Yeah,
1: so I am definitely all for that and I know how to live that kind of peaceful ease of balanced life. And I definitely think darkness is drawn to light. And mm-hmm. I will acknowledge in a very humble way, I think I exude a lot of light to people, so much so that they try to keep dimming it down. Does that make sense? hmm and I've and I've been in an industry that actually sadly likes to do that, especially depending upon the position and the role you play, which doesn't, you know, for somebody who wants to heal people and somebody who wants to bring light and, and enlighten them, that just is like counterintuitive. So I find that, you know, I just I just want to acknowledge that and and say thank you for having been there for me even in moments that maybe i didn't even see because it was enough to just try to stay alive you know um and that's that's not being dramatic that's just a a statement (laughs) yeah um switch gears so dramatically ironically but i want to ask you a question because in in the early 80s you know, I mean, I graduated '84, '85, and it was like '84, '85, or '83, '84 is basically what I remember as AIDS coming to the forefront, and it was right also around that time as I was starting to in fashion that, and or I was in fashion coming up in, uh, but but in the, my own independent track, where gay men could come out. In the workforce, could you know, could really start to like be acknowledged because this milk movement, right. all the things that were happening. How did that personally affect your path? Like,
0: in so your funny. someone just asked me this last week. Isn't that weird, how interesting about you know, yeah, living in New York at that time. Like, I moved to New York in 1982, mm-hmm. um, and you know, um. I don't even know how much I was aware. Mm -hmm. I mean, we knew something was bad and, you know, so it was hard because I had, you know, I came out in college and we're actually, once I moved to New York Mm -hmm. and so it was very new, but I was so petrified and paranoid. So I never went out or, you know, mm-mm. so I'm lucky because I'm still here and, you know, there wasn't, a, I don't recall there being like a huge amount of data or information. I don't know what they knew at that time. Um, yeah, it was at the very onset, you know?
1: Yeah. I know. because. I know that I know that by the time I was getting into fashion print, um, there was so many people dying left and right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In the, in the world of hair yeah. and makeup in the print world. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, I do remember yeah. losing so many friends, which was so bizarre because who loses friends when you're in your twenties? You know I mean?
1: Exactly. Uh, well, and, and and also to that point, like in college, I mean, it, it was an exploratory time. And it was a time mm-hmm. where you didn't feel like, I mean, you know, we as women had rights to our bodies, we had rights to birth control, we had the rights to choose our partners, we had all these things. And certainly in the environments that I was involved, uh, that I was getting my education, you know, certainly in my, my last school, I, there was just, you know, I was with people who I really liked and was smart and was, you know, just all the things. And so there was no limitations right. and boom, you get out of college. And all of a sudden there's this thing called AIDS and you're just like, you know, what can you touch? Who can you right. touch? What can you do? And it wasn't even about being frivolous. It was just about the, the unknown.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: So, sort of like
0: navigating a pandemic.
1: A little bit. It is a pandemic. It is a different form of it. It is you know? a different pandemic. And that was the pandemic Crazy. of the early '80s, for certain. Mm-hmm. And they're still trying to get a grip on that. Um, certainly, thankfully, I do
0: think one thing that that um, you know the gay community has shown throughout history, but specifically with um, uh, the AIDS epidemic is they, they came, it was not easy because they didn't have a lot of information. They came to action um, Mm -hmm. and they, um, you know, band together in such a strong way. And so like I noticed um, this summer when I was um, traveling uh, back to Lisbon. And there was like all this talk about monkey pox and whatnot. Yeah. And do you know? And so I was like, Oh, maybe I should get that vaccine. You know, so I'm getting every other booster. Why yeah. not? And, but you know, you couldn't, it wasn't, a, they ran out, whatever, whatever, whatever. They turned that around so quickly by the time I got home, nobody was really talking about it anymore because you know, they, they the community knew what this looks like. And this is what needs to be done. And so, you know, I applaud them because it's, it's uh, I mean, look, just based on the last three years, I feel like we are going to be navigating pandemic for the rest of our lives.
1: Absolutely. But now at
0: least we know, we know what that is. If you think back to when the first COVID vaccine came out, you know, in January, and we were, you know, sitting in line at Dodger Stadium for hours. And, you know, now this last booster came out, and you just make an appointment at CVS.com. And, you know, so we are, we figured that out as well, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely think that, um, (laughs) I mean, look at, you know, I, I shared this story that coming from a medical background, um, vaccinations, I've always been pro-science. Uh, that doesn't mean take the pill just because somebody says take a pill. And I'm not saying don't ask questions. No, on the contrary. But I've also been somebody who believed in masks and gloves all along because transference of fluids. I mean, it's right. fluids and it's... yeah. Airborne stuff that creates yeah. all of this
0: stuff. Look, I have so like OCD, sense. so the masks and gloves and being able to freely whip out my medical grade wipe on a plane, as opposed to like you know not wanting to call attention.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I have something to do.
1: I've arrived.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget. Um, where was I flying? Oh, I was flying to Florida, like March 2nd, 2020. I had a six-week concert tour, which collapsed after one performance. And they were just starting to talk about this COVID thing. And so, like, I'm on the plane. Nobody was masked yet. That was new. But, like, the woman next to me took out, like, a a sanitizer wipe. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. And then yeah, I remember yeah. flying home from Florida. People were like tossing the, the white container up and down the aisle because everybody was, you know, made me so happy. <laughs> well, yeah. and
1: ironically, like literally two months before that, I'm a person on a show to the leading man. And his hairdresser, that crack a dawn Monday morning, opens the trailer door and I take one look at her face and I'm like, oh, oh," she's at the base of the stairs. And I look down at her and I can tell without her even opening her mouth, she is so ill. I don't even know what she's doing there. And I looked at her and I literally said, what are you doing here? You do not look well. And she's like, I'm so sick. I'm like, why didn't you call? Like, you you got to go home. You can't be here. You're, you're like wildfire. You step in here and you will set off this whole room to become sick. That's how viral she was. I literally went to my drawer. This is January 2020 because I always have this. I went to my drawer. I got out of K95 and gloves and I put it on. Because I knew my our actor was going to be coming in anytime now. And I had a responsibility to myself and to him. That whole trailer rolled their eyeballs at me. And I was like, roll your eyeballs all you want.
0: Right. That was January, so that was really early.
1: It was really early, but it's but it's the mindset of people's of lack of yeah sensitivity and ability to understand that yeah always makes me kind of feel like an outsider for no better word like I'm very much I know a leader and a person that brings people together but there's moments like that where I'm like what planet do I live on and what planet do you live on that we just don't see eye (laughs) to eye because it's okay to agree to not to, to not agree but this is really straightforward. How is this not really straightforward?
0: I know. I know. So I know.
1: Again, you know, just a, an interesting observation. Um, so when you came out, like first off, were your did your parents have any statements? Um. Or were they
0: I had, come out to, I had come out to my sister when I was in high school, so she already knew. Mm-hmm. And then I had moved to, it's so funny. So I went to Penn State University for a hot minute. I don't know why I never read or paid attention to the fact that they had 48,000 students. And so I go to this school, and I'm just so oh, I'm like, you know, this big. It was too much for me. So, but one of the things that you had to do as a theater major is you had to be on crew for one of their productions. And so they were doing a production of Grease, and I signed up to be like costume crew. And so one of my jobs was like to do like the quick change dresser for the guy that was playing Teenage Joel, who was so attractive. I don't think I ever said one word to him, but I just did my job, you know what I mean? I love it. And then I moved to New York and I was like at a piano bar in the village and, I'm, and it was down below and I'm walking up the stairs to leave and he's walking in and he was like, Lee? And that was my first boyfriend. <laughs> oh,
1: I love yeah.
0: that. He was a horrible boyfriend, but I, oh, wow. st- I just talked to him when I was in Lisbon. Um, and I see him all the time. Um, and he's great. But um, he was my first um, boyfriend. So then when I had like a boyfriend, I felt more secure to tell my parents. So I went home one weekend and and told them. And oddly enough, my mom like is the one that had like It was like a shock. (laughs) My mother's like the gayest person we know. Am I right? (laughs) Oh,
1: she is. She is. But we could talk about Rosh Hashanah walking down
0: Lakeshore Drive. He was in shock. And my dad went to his office or room or whatever. And he came back and he handed me a book. I don't remember who wrote it. It was called Personhood, The Art of Being Fully Human. And basically, it was a very simple book, but basically the concept was the most important thing that you can do as a human being is to love others Mm -hmm. and love yourself and then give and receive love. Like that's the most important thing. And that's personhood. And that's all that matters. And that was what my father handed me which was interesting because my dad growing up, like he didn't know how to communicate with kids and, you know, it was foreign to him. Um, And that was that, you know, my mom had a harder time, but.
1: Well, I think it's so interesting. First off, what a beautiful way for your father, even if he couldn't verbally put it towards himself, that he could hand you a tool that basically said, I love you, be you.
0: Right. Yeah, if you never yeah. read the
1: book, I love you, be you. Right. Your mom, who, like you said, would be like, you know, <laughs> Cher, Beck Midler, all the things wrapped up into one combination. I could see how she would be the the mom who would be like, I know, but I don't want to admit. <laughs> right. I know, but I don't want to acknowledge. I know, but this is my son no. that I want to have She doesn't to remember.
0: She doesn't remember now. Like, my mom is so proud of me. And she, yeah. you know, I remember I was doing... I can't remember what it was, but I was very close with both of my grandmothers. And they would call me every weekend when I lived in New York. Every single weekend. And the conversation always went to, when are you getting back? You know? Yeah. And um, so I called my parents, and I said, I want to come out to grandma. And they were like, oh, no, you can't. She would not, she won't know how to handle it. I'm like, she lived through the Holocaust. What is a gay grandson? Like, you know, come on. Yeah, true. And um, my mom, interestingly enough, like prepped her or after the conversation, because I think my grandmother was upset because she was just worried that I wouldn't find happiness. Yeah. And my mom shared with me years later that she told her mother, she was like, you know, all of the things that you love about Lee, he's warm and he's sensitive and he's musical and, you know, he's artistic and he's compassionate. And all of those things are many traits that I've experienced in the gay community with people that we know. Um, And I think it was like really helpful for my grandmother to hear that. And I didn't know this until years later. Um, So they've been, you know, they're great. My folks are great. It's just, you know, but it it was a time, you know it was definitely a time. And I think my mom didn't know, she just didn't know like what to say or how to act, and so she just continuously shoved her foot in her mouth. <laughs> you know.
1: Well, I haven't seen your parents in a really long time, but I like I, I will always <laughs> hold that sweet image <laughs> of her. Not much has
0: changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I will, I will hold that sweet image of her as we, we yes. were walking to Rosh Hashanah on Lakeshore Drive, and I think she was like this. This could, this could be possible. This could be my this could be my daughter-in-law mentality and my head wasn't in that Crazy. space because I knew what you know we were right. just of friends course, and course. but it made it made me giggle inside and I thought I you remember. know what? I
0: think we giggled through the entire service if I recall <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> I remember I remember yeah yeah um you yeah, know my parents have been You know very um supportive you know throughout the years my mom just had a little bit of a hurdle to get over for whatever reason you know
1: absolutely um
0: yeah well and and then
1: go ahead and then she what i'm sorry
0: i said she did she got over it you know which
1: is amazing and yeah and phenomenal because, you know, yeah. life is too precious then, to waste you know, time. They lived
0: in Chicago for how many years, 30 years and whatever, you know, every year my mother would call me on gay pride and said, oh my God, the parade was so fun. Year. And I'm like, I don't even go to gay pride. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there she is right there
1: in voice like right there. I don't know. Did they, did they let go of their place sir?
0: Oh my God. So my parents moved. They had a timeshare on Sanibel Island for years because cousins of theirs had that. And then in uh, 2008, um, my dad's position was dissolved. And, you know, he was whatever, 70 or something. And um, so they just decided to retire. They were kind of forced into retirement. And so they moved. time to sanibel um they bought a house that they rented out and then um, they or i think they went for like first a month and then two months and then three months and then six months so they still did the timeshare thing but they had bought a house and they rented it and then they found like their dream house you know a dozen years ago and they bought it and they sold the other place and a year ago they sold the house and they moved to like a senior community right over the causeway, the causeway that isn't there anymore because of the hurricane. And they're in this very, I mean, it's literally less than a mile from the causeway to the island. Um, And so many of their friends live there and they love it. So they're there. We did have to evacuate them because there was no electricity. Like there was no drinkable water. You know, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, but well, they're supposedly back
1: and, still extremely bad i mean we were just well, my brother island, and i grant I mean, we're just talking about insurance um uh his insurance agent and a whole slew of people from just that particular going down there like they sent down 65 agents and the level yeah. of destruction and the level so of bad. whether people are or aren't insured what they will or will not i mean the loss is
0: It's brutal. It's brutal. Thankfully, you know, I mean, there's obviously hurricanes nearly every year, but there hasn't been one that hit like this in in a long time. And so hopefully that won't happen again. But, you know, it made me really think I was talking to my sister about it. I'm like, we need another plan because, you know, at 84, they didn't need to be driving through a hurricane to the uh, other coast. Even if the plan is that we have, you know, a driver established to take them you know um it was stressful it was very stressful but they're safe and now they're back in their place
1: okay well that's good um and i'm happy to hear that and i'm i'm happy definitely happy to hear that i want to i want to um jump to uh, i guess it would have been is it 92 93 what year did we go to oil can harry's
0: night this is literally the only date i remember june eleventh, nineteen 1992 june 11
1: 1992 there. i landed here january eleventh, nineteen 1992 so, so you i don't just know wanted to wait six to- months I wanted to wait six months and it's a very power, it's a power number. What can I say? So we yeah. walk into oil can Harry's on Ventura Boulevard in studio city. Why you wanted to go there, right? Cause I wouldn't have known anything about it. So I had
0: gotten, I had got, there was a company called RSVP cruises and they were um, producing these all gay cruises. They would like rent a ship and, you know, market to the gay community. And I got a call to, um, perform like in the cabaret room in the lounge. Um, And they offered me like a 10 week contract. So I was like, okay, this is good. And I talked to the Winklers about it. And I remember Henry said, you have to do this. Like, this is such a great opportunity. um, And we totally support you. And the only thing we ask is that when you're done, you come back. And I was like, I had no expectation they would hold my job. so. Off I go. And it was like, I don't know, five weeks in uh, the Caribbean and then five weeks in Mexico Mexican Riviera. And um, when I came back, Stacy was working out with her trainer at the time. And he was like really interested in this cruise and wanted to know like all about it. What was your favorite thing? And I said, well, you know, they had a country Western performer on every cruise. And they would perform up on the pool deck, and they would teach two-stepping. And it was always on the night of my concert. So by the time I got up there after, everybody was already dancing. They had taken the lessons. And I just watched because I didn't know what I was doing. But it just looked like so much fun. And he said, well, you know, there's a bar down the street on Ventura Boulevard, and they have two-stepping lessons on Tuesday nights, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And this was a Tuesday. I was like, okay, Sue, what are you doing? (laughs) And there we are. But here's the crazy thing. I don't even know if you know this part. So Mark, um, you know, was married for seven years. He went through divorce and he was in therapy. He owned a couture line of maternity wear at the time. So he was designing like, like the Armani... Version of maternity wear for Melanie Griffith and Vanna White and Kathy Lee Gifford and that really, really high end. And his pattern maker was on one of the cruises that I was on. And they always had a costume contest. So at the beginning of the cruise, they would say, you know, on the second to last night, we're going to have a costume contest. But the rule is you can only use material that you find on board the ship. And so this guy made a like a ball gown, like a hoop skirt, like something out of Tara. And it was all made of those little white paper doilies from the bar and this little straws. I mean, he obviously knew what he was doing. (laughs) And he, of course, won, won a free cruise, whatever. And this was a Tuesday and Mark said his name was Michael. And Mark said, I totally forgot. I have therapy tomorrow. I didn't do my assignment. And he said, what's your assignment? I have to put myself in a social situation. And he said, well, you should come with me for two stepping lessons tonight at oil can Harry's. And Mark was like, okay, (laughs) that was that. Wow. I
1: didn't know the precursor to the story, let alone that part of the story. (laughs) And now another puzzle piece. We would have never,
0: we would have never met. I don't think unless it was there, we would have never met. And I actually had just gotten out of, I was dating Satan. I don't know if you remember that, but um, it was awful. And I just remember seeing. Are we
1: talking about about Mark?
0: No, no, no. no, 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 no. No, okay. so I won't mention his name because he's no, no longer no, 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 with no, us and no. I don't wanna and uh but he was saved. but anyway. Um um we had already done the lessons and whatnot, and so I saw Mark and, and, and Mark was tall and strapping, and and you know, like I noticed that like I tended to like date people that were smaller than me, like, and mm. I'm sure that like energetically that had something to do with it, you know. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna ask him to dance because I'm not gonna feel any crappier than I already do based on my you know, recent breakup, whatever. And so I walked over to him and I was like, do you two step? And he was like, no. And so I walked away to put my drink down and he thought I was just leaving and as. As Mark tells the story, he was minding his own business, talking to two innocent lesbians. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then I came back and off we went. And that was that we've never been there before. And we've never been there after because, you know, I'm not, I'm a nice guy, but I'm not the most patient person. And I may have kicked him because he has two left feet. <laughs> so I don't remember how
1: that night ended. I don't remember. I just remember you guys meeting. That's like, that's all I remember. You know what?
0: He gave me his card and the next day I went to work and Stace was like, how did it go? And everything, I'm like, I met this really nice guy and he has like a real job, you know? He gave me his card and she's like, let me see it. And I showed her the card and she took it. And she said, you were not calling him for 48 hours. And I'm like, why? She said, trust me. I was like, okay. So that was on a Tuesday. On Thursday, she gave me the card.
1: Oh my God, Stacy. Yeah.
0: And I called him and we made a date for that weekend. And that was that.
1: Yeah. The rest is history. Yeah. I don't know if I even know this. Did you guys officially marry one another?
0: No. You know, I don't like to rush into things, so I, <laughs> you know, thir- it's only 30 years.
1: <laughs> it's like, did I miss something or are you not married?
0: No. And actually, we were just talking about this and um, um, it's complicated, but in Lisbon, when you apply for a mortgage, mm-hmm. any one person on the mortgage... Um, By the time anyone turns seventy-five, the mortgage has to be paid off. So it's good that we're not married because I'll be mortgaging it myself. Yeah.
1: So, so, so sincerely. So, if if you were a married couple and one person becomes seventy-five and you still owed a balance, then what would happen?
0: Well, like, well, Marcus seventy-one. Yeah, yeah. So w- if we apply for a mortgage, we get like a four-year mortgage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so
0: that that's just yeah. it would be by
1: design, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't yeah, be so, like Yeah. Um Do they
1: do do they do conventional mortgages like in America? Do they do 10, 15, 20, 30 year mortgages?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just very
0: different there. It's very different. Like when you take out a mortgage there, you have to take out a life insurance policy and the bank is the beneficiary.
1: Oh, no way.
0: Yeah. Listen, I do believe,
1: go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
0: you can get, if you're only financing like 50%, you can do it without life insurance. But if you want to finance 70 or 80%, you have to have a life insurance policy. So it's very expensive.
1: You know, to that point, and because of my childhood experience with my parents and my father dying so suddenly and our house, being attached an SBA loan and him dying without life insurance, it was such an impressionable time of, of that unknown that when we bought our house, I said to Randy, there's, we will not buy a house without buying life insurance. Right. Because we're not married and whether we're married or not, this is the only way that I know of legitimately to yeah, protect of one another.
0: Right. We have life insurance and but we specifically people... got it for the amount of, for like 50% of Correct. the loan so that if one person went, the other person would easily be able to say, Correct. sustain.
1: Correct. Yeah. But it's shocking how many people don't actually, I mean, I know people do think that way, but then there's people who don't think that way.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, yeah.
1: And and so, um, do you, Do you? did you ever desire to marry me?
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm sure at one point, I mean, I wanted to have kids. I wanted, you know, I had so many dreams. <laughs> and, uh, it just is not the way it worked out this time around, but. I'm certainly not complaining. I have a blessed life, and um, so excited for this next chapter. I can't even stand it. And um, yeah, so I have no complaints.
1: Do you think that this this next chapter has given you uh, not that you were looking for a new lease on life, but a, a new, like, really, like a, a rebirth?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am. it's given me something that I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've done really well in LA and I can operate, you know, on um, cruise control. You know what I mean? And so this is really like charging it up. And I'm excited about that it's a huge learning curve. I mean, oh my God, visas and it's a huge learning curve. Um, But you know, I'm doing it. And so um, it's going to be great. I'm so excited about it. We We have some, we have so many friends over there already. We were counting last month when we were there and I think it's like 38 or 40 friends. And so like, I was there for five weeks by myself. Mark came for a week. Um, and I think I like stayed home alone and cooked like maybe four nights. Every single night I was meeting friends for dinner and it's great. You know, so I really feel like there's a, a great community there and support system. and You know, and other 38,
1: 40 people are most of those expats at this point, point, yes, and they mostly happen to be gay, perchance, not that that matters, but because um, I know you have straight um, and and a lot of straight friends as well. But do they happen to have been people you knew or that you met since you've been over?
0: Only since we've been over. There's a whole Facebook group for Americans in Portugal. And so just yesterday, someone posted, we're coming to Lisbon, at the end of December, and, um, you know, if anybody knows of, uh, of a great realtor, maybe you could d- DM me or whatever. So I, like, DM this guy, and I'm like, I have a great realtor. We are moving next month. He helped us find our, our apartment. He's super nice, blah, 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 blah. And so I introduced them on WhatsApp, and then he and I are, like, texting back and forth, and he must have, like, gone on my website or something. And he was like, Oh my God, (laughs) one of the shows that I represent and book is called the boy band project. And there are four Broadway guys who recreate the harmonies and choreography of your favorite nineties boy band. And he was like, we were just on the Atlantis gay cruise and your boy band project performed like last night. I'm like, yeah, they're great. I mean, it's like such a tiny small world, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with one other small world story. There was somebody else that posted in the group and said, you know, we live in Los Angeles, we're planning to move to Lisbon and we need to get two golden retrievers over. Anybody have any suggestions? And this is something that I have spent a lot of time researching. And so I sent him a message and I said, I can definitely give you insight. And so we started texting back and forth and blah, blah, blah. It turns out that there are they were going to be on a scouting trip in August, I think, end of August um, in Lisbon. So we made a date to meet for drinks. And, and I found out like they lived in Hancock Park where we used, near where we used to live and whatnot. Um, and so we're having drinks and I was like, so how old are your pups? And he's like, we have a 10-year-old and a one-year-old. And I'm like, a 10-year-old and a one-year-old. I think you've met Mark because he came back from breakfast one day and said, I met these two guys and they have two goldens, 10 and one. Like, what are the chances? And I pulled up a picture and he's like, Oh my God, we see him all the time. And he rotates which pup he takes to breakfast. I'm like, yeah, that's Mark. (laughs) So, like, And here we are having drinks on a rooftop in Lisbon. (laughs) So cool. It's crazy. I know. So now we met, we, uh, Last weekend, we went over for a puppy play date and their one-year-old is insanely fun. And so Paris and and their one-year-old like went at it. I mean, they were literally unconscious for days. It was perfect.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so I know we have to wrap this up. So I'm just going to ask you this. So if your little self, you know, your little boy self was looking into the future and saw you now and where you're headed. Like, is 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 this a legacy that you expected and where you're heading and what legacy is it that you want to leave behind, you know, even though you're probably going to be on the planet for at least another 30 or more years?
0: I mean, I don't know if if this is the legacy, but I mean... I feel like, um, you know, first of all, dream big because anything can happen. I mean, when I think that I have sustained a living for 30 years, you know, and it's like, and I started my career and my, my mantra was fake it till you make it, you know what I mean? And literally, and to think that I have been able to sustain that and, and very successfully for a long time. I'm super proud of that. And I never really felt like I was going to work because I love what I do. And, and I've been able to sort of write my own ticket and schedule and everything else. So I think my legacy would be to dream big, you know, anything is possible. And, you know, um, you and I have been been through it. We've had good times and bum times, <laughs> you know, with work and finances and everything else. And, um, it's really,,'m um, I'm, I'm so glad that I took the chance to, like, dream big and start these businesses because, um, Like even through a pandemic, I had like one of my best years ever, which was great, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so um, I think the little boy would be really proud, you know?
1: Oh, by all means. And I think that in in just what you were sharing, I think it comes down to mindset. I think it comes down to your attitude and one remaining open. To what's possible and i think that right. when you and i <laughs> excuse me when you and i met each other i do think that it was two big visionaries meeting because right. i've always been a big dreamer you've always been a big dreamer i i love that our paths were brought together i love that our paths keep doing this i feel like they're doing this while doing this like you know, I always love you, you know?
0: I sure you. do. And I go the exact same way. <laughs> my little foo. Ah, oh. my little woo. I, I will say that I'm looking here on the screen because I haven't done one of these like in over a year. And yeah. um, I, I'm gonna be 60 in a few months and I have had yeah. no work done. I think I'm be okay.
1: You are beyond gorgeous. Matter of fact, you're like a fine wine. You just keep getting better. <laughs> Sincerely, I think I was blonde when we first met, too.
0: I'm I'm liking this. I'm liking this because you then you went like dark.
1: Yeah, and and that's a funny thing too. Like I've I've also like I like the blonde gone through my own butterfly status lately it's like I let go of 40 pounds and I highlighted my hair and people like you know what what happened I'm like I still feel like Felicia I don't think anything's changed maybe for them and I think to your point about the age part it's like and going back to even what you're talking about the prepping for Portugal your excitement, the difference between where I think you and I are and who you and I are and have always been is we're curious human beings that never sit on our laurels, however and whatever that Mm -hmm. means. Like there's no, there's no like right or wrong. It's just to keep going, to keep getting up, to keep being deliciously curious
0: yeah, Many people yeah. at
1: this stage of the game stop being curious and they're like, they settle yeah. for where they're at. I don't look at things that way. And so I feel mm-hmm. like I'm reversing age. I feel like I'm reversing like what's possible. I feel like there's another 30, 40 years. of I actually feel like I've been marinating all this time, no matter how much success has been experienced to really come into my <laughs> own, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means yet.
0: I just want look. I just want the recipe for your marinade. Okay.
1: <laughs> look,
0: you get a little of
1: this. You get a, I, I will happily short, short. I will send it over to Lisbon. How about that? Beautiful. That to me was truly a great conversation with me and Lee. Really, just so heartfelt. And 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 who knew that so many subjects would be talked of from. From domestic violence to being gay to finding one's life partner to being able to create blessings beyond one's wildest dreams because one dreamt big and the opportunity to make huge life changes that are also very positive. And and what I love about this conversation is how applicable it is to all of our lives and how it connects us as human beings and how it's relatable in so many different stories and ways. So thank you so much for joining us for part two, episode 59 with my dear friend Lee Lesak. Join us next week as I sit down with Jake Platt from Morph Method, who we have an incredibly salaciously delicious conversation over health and wellness, starting kicking it off with talking about men and their pride in their health and the importance of taking hold of one's life and, and and really living one's best, very best life. So join me next week. Look forward to you sharing this beautiful podcast community and being a part of the Camp Fifi Uncensored conversation. See you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>